Hi, I'm Jackie Goddard and this is Power to Speak, the podcast, where I talk to a mix of creatives, thought leaders, authors, in fact, anyone with an interesting and inspiring story to tell. How did they get here? What have they learned? And how can their journey help us mere mortals? In this episode, I talk to former English teacher and founder of Be Loud Words, Lois Cliff. Lois delivers workshops for kids on how to live well, be healthy and happy. We also discuss how being a vicar's daughter is great for business networking. Who knew? And how we all have transferable skills we can bring from one career to the next, no matter how different those careers may be. Plus, I learn how to make literature come to life by using a cracking German accent. Enjoy. So welcome to the Power to Speak podcast with my gorgeous guest, Lois Cliff. And Lois is uh, the founder of Be Loud Words, uh, former head of English and English teacher. So tell us a little bit, uh, Lois, about what you're up to at the moment. Hi, Jackie. It's lovely to see you. We finally got there after a yeah. I am getting off the ground um, my whole you best you thing, which is um, I'm I'm sort of billing it as a, a bouncy tigger roadshow. Um, I'm of the age where do you remember the Radio One roadshows, Jackie? I do, yeah, I, yes, unfortunately I do. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Gary Davis and all that. <laughs> so yeah, um, I I am I've always been a bouncy tigger, um, and and I'm now using that. I've always used that sort of attribute in classrooms. And now I want to be in school halls, um, helping kids with well-being and resilience and all the things that may be causing issues for them post-COVID, being back in school and getting on with their whatever their new normal looks yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, sounds sounds amazing. But tell me a little bit more about the the bouncy tigger thing. How do, how how have you sort of? Is that something that you are calling yourself, or is that something that you uh, are using as a, a as a an analogy for for what it is that you're going to be doing in the roadshow? Um, interesting question. Um, it's a thing that I do, and I became aware a while back that it's a thing that I do. It's a thing that I can switch on, and I suppose because I was when I was a child, we moved around quite a quite a lot because my dad was a vicar. And, um, you know, I went to only three different primary schools, but that's more than quite a few kids, uh, not as many as some. And, um, you know, as an adult, I guess I've moved around a little bit as well. So when, for example, we moved to Altrincham um, 20 odd years ago with two, two small children, there was a new primary school in my world, one way or another, and I had to get on with it and meet people and build build a friendship group, build a network. So the bouncy tigger thing comes in handy. I I can do chit chat professionally. Um, oh, uh, which is very hard for lots of people. I mean, it's quite a skill. Well, it, it it's sort of it's it's been a thing I had to learn because because my dad was a vicar you would have people sitting next to you at Sunday lunchtime that you didn't know. And as a tiny child, I remember sitting there feeling awkward and shy and frightened and worried about whether people would think I was stupid. Um, and I think I must have shared this with my grandpa at some point, maybe when I was about eight or nine. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. 
Um, and he pointed me in the direction of Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is a hell of a book for yeah, yeah. a nine-year-old to be accessing. But I was I was a good reader. My mum tells me that I could actually read before I went to school. That's just a thing for me. Nobody knows quite how it happened. But, I mean, maybe that's a norm for lots of people. I don't know. Um, but I, I took one thing away from that Um because there were obviously a very large amount of words there. But I, I took the hint that if you always have two things to say, when you've said your one thing, you've still got something else. <laughs> and it helps with breathing. And I know that breathing is a thing close to your heart. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's always stuck by me. And I learned at a very young age how to talk to people yeah. um, and help people feel at ease and relaxed in my company so it's yeah. a very very useful skill particularly when you're dealing with kids and you know in September you've got to hit the road running and get a relationship built so that they know like and trust you and they can learn yeah. from you yeah oh you yeah. yeah know like and trust that's something for, very much for the business world isn't it and you and you obviously you're using that it is yeah yeah. And I mean, it's it's a phrase that I only came across when I learned how to network, which I did courtesy of my friend Kate Brannigan and BNI. Um, yeah. And I had not really seen the transferability between my previous profession and what I was trying to do, become a copywriter. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it did did help a lot. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's something similar to me as well in that, that sort of networking was quite quite alien to me when I started my business about three years ago but actually I now can see quite clearly the connections between what I th what I was doing which was obviously teaching kids and adults drama um, mm -hmm. and then moving into the voice and presentation coaching that actually everything that I learned and I'd been teaching it crosses over amazingly well and you know yeah. for me I can see now that all of the training that I had as an actor and all the experience that I have sort of teaching um, mm -hmm. is absolutely transferable to the business world. And so is that is that something that you you noticed as well? Um, well, if I can ask you, Jackie, something about that, because I have come to that realisation in a really, really gradual way. And it's still, you know, dawning on me. Oh, that oh okay you know did you did you just have a complete light bulb moment and, and work out that that was the case or did that well, happen gradually no I suppose it did happen kind of gradually but but I have it's something I've only really realized I suppose in the last couple of months and I think with lots of people where we've all kind of been locked down um I mean I know lots of people have had to work very very hard over the last 18 months but for me where all my work kind of dried up overnight I've had a lot of time to think and develop and learn um you know sort of TED talks and mm -hmm. YouTube falling down rabbit holes and just yeah. it's been it's been incredible to really be able to it, it, yeah a gift to have had that time I don't know how it's been for you but yeah that kind of realization that from networking and from talking to other people it wasn't necessarily a light bulb moment, but it's definitely something that's really only kind of been triggered in the last few months with everything that's happened in the last 18 months, really. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yes, time. It's a blessing or it's a curse. It just depends. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so how, is, how has your business developed then over lockdown? I mean, it, has it changed uh, at all? 
can I say it hasn't? <laughs> no, absolutely. Of course you can. Well, no, um, you know, I, I have a weird story and um, I, I, I live with my story. I'm sort of bored of my story, but long story, very long story short, I decided um, birthday 49 that I had to change my life because I was deeply unhappy and one of the deep sources of my unhappiness was the fact that I had no work-life balance whatsoever as a teacher of English um you know my husband had become a head and basically I, I had stepped down from head of English when he became head because I knew that otherwise our relationship would end um bitterly and rapidly and I wanted to give us the best chance of success he had a real problem understanding my motivations there because all he could see was the pounds shillings and pence loss to you know the domestic pot and he he moved on it took him about a year to understand that actually I had done the right thing um I had read a book called The Well-Fed Writer which made me think that actually the time was now and I could do this and Empowering myself has not been a thing for me. I have spent my life empowering others, um, which I worked out sometime last February, really. Um, last February, but one. Um, but I, I realised I was drinking the last chance saloon. So I got on with building a business as a copywriter whilst I was still the head's wife. Um, he wasn't happy about that because, you know, he just saw it was all very uncertain and he comes from a background where he's always been salaried and so have I and you know moving into the world of the entrepreneur was a real comfort zone blaster for him so yeah we we didn't survive that so last January I was I was getting divorced I had moved out of my family home I was renting a little house in Nutsford just up the road and I was learning how to live on my own and doing okay. You know, I'd built myself a home. I'd done a, my nesting thing in a couple of weeks and I was making um, social things happen, building a new network of friends, inviting old friends round, going out. And then, of course, we got locked down and copywriting sort of dried up a little bit. Um, and I didn't have lots of clients anyway. Um, and then I became aware that my mental health was far more fragile than I had ever dreamed. And I sort of fell off the edge of a precipice, basically, around June, July. Um, so since then, I have been, you know, blessed with time, as you say, to think about things, which can be a blessing or a curse. Um, but I've also been blessed with good friends, um, the lovely John. Experian in my world and you know the help and support of books podcasts and then in November I had just moved into the house my first ever home that I own um, and I got my puppy my boxer pup who is my companion creates lots of mess but yes. you know is always there for cuddles whenever you need right. her, so there we go that's yeah. that's a great I'd cue for that for that picture isn't it I mean look <laughs> she's so beautiful and shout name... out to Sarah King who lives just down the road who's an amazing photographer who took that shot for me it's lovely yeah. isn't it <laughs> gorgeous so this is Poppy I assume Poppy is slightly bigger now She's much larger, yeah. She was one the other day, um, although she's got to have her birthday yet because she was poorly on that oh. day, so she hasn't had her birthday sausages yet. <laughs> We're saving them till Sunday when John is here. Yeah. 
So obviously you're talking there of uh, John Esperian, who is a LinkedIn nerd, apparently. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Relentlessly Helpful. Himself. Relentlessly Helpful. So, so yeah, and uh, obviously that, that re- relationship has come about in lockdown? Or was that? Yeah, it has really, yeah. Um, yeah. weirdly. Um, yeah, I, I knew of him beforehand. Um, I was thinking about this last night because I met up with some copywriters in um, Manchester. And uh, I was talking about how I knew about John, which was listening to him on another copywriter's podcast, Glenn, Glenn Fisher's All Good Copy podcast. I was so engrossed in what he was saying that I actually nearly didn't get off the tram. <laughs> so that's quite funny so so it's all glenn fish's fault basically yeah John yeah. yeah 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 so it's amazing i mean networking in lockdown for me has just been a revelation because i okay. even beforehand you know i mean i, I always found them quite strange sort of to walk in these rooms with full of people that you don't know and then sat, sit at a table and it is that chit chat thing again isn't it which you know people do find difficult because when you're expected to sit next to somebody and just start a conversation I, I found that quite difficult but also I I felt like I didn't particularly know the language it was almost yes. like there, there was a there was a specific language that I I didn't know um yeah but in in really lockdown I found it better because I know I don't know about you is that you end up in these breakout rooms and they're so there's there's no distractions and actually they are quite intimate and you get to know people so much better than sitting in a room just kind of you know trying to make polite conversation so have you have you found have you found that yourself in in networking rooms that they get quite intimate (laughs) yeah um, I was a member of BNI at the start of lockdown, and obviously we were all just learning the tech at that point, weren't we? Can you hear me yet? And, and all of that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think because of where I was in my head, which was very much in my head, um, I basically could not do networking. In fact, the only networking I was able to do was with You Are The Media and yeah. the lovely... Mr. Masters, Mr. Cupcake himself. Um, yeah, that was it. That was all yeah. I could do. Um, yeah. I had taken a break on sort of mental health grounds from BNI because that's a commitment. If yeah. you've ever been involved with it, you'll know that. No, what is, just just tell me what, what, is, what is BNI? So BNI is it's a global um, networking organisation um, and it's you know, it's franch- It's held by franchisees and, and the founder, um, Dr. Ivan Meisner, a lovely guy, he, he created it 30 odd years ago. And what it, it was my for? entry, um, Business Networking International. And there oh. will be chapters of BNI all around the globe, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident that I'm correct in saying that the world has really opened up for BNI as, as a result of using Zoom to go to meetings yeah. because you yeah. can attend a chapter meeting in Singapore, for example, yeah, if you want to, you know. So, yeah, so that was where I learned how to network, really. And, um, yeah, lots of good things going on there. BNI Alchemy, which was my my group. They're yeah. a bunch of fantastic people with whom I'm still in touch. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I think it was long. It wasn't long before lockdown. I think the January before we all locked down. I can remember having a conversation with a business coach and just saying, "I don't, I don't want to do networking. I don't, I don't see the benefit in it. It's not for me. I, I'm not a good yeah. fit. I've obviously not met the right network." Um, and and her saying to me, "Just really, just try again because you know the the, the benefits." And and even yeah. the benefits to well-being in lockdown to have had you know the, the you are the media that say that Mark yeah. transferred online, and yeah. they were fortnightly. And I looked so looked forward to that you know just that contact yeah. with other people and finding out yes. how other people were coping. Um, yeah, it was a lifeline really. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad I persevered. But I think it is about finding your fit. I think so, because I mean, but I, I think as a result of lockdown and different tech opening up as well, people are doing networking in a very different way and virtually is seen as, as a really good way of doing it now. In fact, yeah. even though we all yeah. maybe struggled at climbing out of our comfort zones at first. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's some really good stuff going on and every everything is a bit different. People are really thinking about well okay this is what we do but how do we do it you know yeah. and mark is a classic example of really thinking about doing it differently and you know watching him go with his virtual with his hybrid yeah. um events that's that's fantastic isn't it yes yes just for those that are, that are listening the hybrid events that that uh, you are the media and mark masters have started are a combination of a giant zoom screen um, as well as obviously a live audience. So I've been to a couple yeah. now yeah. in person. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. yet to do these on Zoom. I'd, I'd quite fancy, even though obviously they're quite local to me, I quite fancy being on the Zoom screen for a change. <laughs> how does it, how does it work from the Zoom side? Does it does it look? I mean, do you still feel involved? Yeah, I think I think you can't fail to because you know Mark is totally effervescent, isn't he? And he must be so knackered by the end of one of those yes. gigs. Um, but yeah, he does keep everybody involved, and you know you've got your um, little surveys and things, haven't you? Survey monkey going on or whatever. Yes. You know there are things yeah. to do that everybody partakes in, and that I think is one of the things that makes it feel very much a, a unified event. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun because you can see the people like um, who was it? Um, bombing your was it Trisha? Was it Trisha? Oh, yes. I think no, it was, it was me. Trisha and, 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 and Coombs um, at the yes. last event, you know, where she sort of photobombed and everybody was giggling and it was it was just such a lovely atmosphere. So, yeah. 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 yeah no, that's that's a great community that that, that Mark has yeah. has built there and brought us all together. Um, and yeah. as you say, in, in the Zoom world, you you are in sort of Manchester in the northwest and I'm on the south coast so we yep. you know we would never have been able to physically meet unless we sort of met yeah. somewhere around Milton Keynes I don't know yeah <laughs> you can go yeah. chat with the cows or something yes um so going back to uh being the vicar's daughter how how yeah. how was that I kind of I kind of imagine that it, it was almost like you say you moved around quite a lot it, it, almost in that kind of um army sort of military way of, of the way that you know you kind of have to follow where 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 the work is so so were you traveling sort of within one area when you when you moved around yeah my my mum and dad are both northwesterners they're both Stockport originally and um you know my dad was in the Chester diocese so his 
his uh, choices, if you like, of um, of church would lay within that remit. But yeah, I'm. I suppose. I think I, I lived somewhere for seven years. That was the longest, and that was Exotic Crew, home of Rolls Royce, and you know it's got a famous railway station. Uh, and we actually backed onto the British Rail Works, so exotic location to grow up with a 20-foot corrugated steel fence behind you at the back of the garden. Uh, yeah. Was that quite yeah. noisy as well, I would imagine? It was. I can remember one bank holiday Monday where there were pneumatic drills and my mum and dad weren't very happy about it because it was, it was a bank holiday Monday where it wasn't raining and we were trying to enjoy the garden and my dad got very stressed about it. But um, I think the thing that was the wackiest for me, Jackie, about my upbringing was because my dad was evangelical and he got involved with the charismatic movement which was sort of booming in the 1970s and because we lived in this vast Victorian vicarage with servants quarters attached um, my dad decided that he was going to create a bit of a community a sort of kingdom of God on earth really so we had people living with us um, for quite long stretches you know there is somebody in my world who actually is still very much part of my world who lived with us for six years um and I love her dearly she's sort of like a big sister stroke auntie sort yeah. of character to me um but there were people who lived with us who I didn't get on with and and there was one occasion where I had my little suitcase packed and I was somehow aged about six or seven maybe I was going to get to crew station and I was going to go on a train to my nan's and my grandpa's house yeah. because I I couldn't do my life where I was anymore yeah um and and that was a person who was recently divorced and probably suffering from mental health issues and and she was somebody who was sort of mothering me parenting me because we all lived together and mucked yeah. in together and got on with everything. But I just didn't want, I guess I didn't like her style of parenting. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite <laughs> naggy. Um, yeah, so, you know, there was a weirdness in my upbringing where my dad, you know, the joke about because only working one day a week <laughs> is such a joke. Um, you know, people always phone at mealtimes because they know he'll be in. So, yes. you know, you don't have family meals in the same way because your dad's on the phone. Um, you know, Saturday's a working day because of weddings. You know, um, so I didn't see a lot of my dad when I was growing up. And, yeah. you know, it's only sort of recently that I'm coming to terms with all of that stuff and how it's made me who I am really yeah. and how I deal with that yeah did you ever yeah. did you ever get the feeling that, that your parents were being selfish in some way that, that they weren't giving you the attention as as a daughter because they were they were busy dealing with everybody else because I can imagine that's, I, that's something that most uh, vicars children do have to kind of fight with it, yeah, I think it's an interesting one, Jackie, and I, I haven't really had this conversation with my friend Kath, who's another vicar's daughter, but I think I, I, I might well discuss this with her. I think I've only recently begun to really realise how much of an impact it's had on me. Mm. And my mum and dad were not happily married. I mean, they, my dad died recently and he would have been 80 yesterday, so I had lunch with my mum 
um, but that's a difficult relationship. And, you know, I can remember talking with my sister, aged probably less than 10, about mum and dad and why didn't they just get divorced? You know, so we, we grew up knowing that my our parents were not happy together. It was very, very obvious. And and that has affected the way I do relationships without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, I yeah. am twice divorced, as is my sister. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think as parents, you know, thinking about what I'm trying to get off the ground now, as parents and as teachers, as anybody who is adults in the world of teaching and in the world of kids, sorry, the best thing that you can do is model good behaviours. You know, that that's a responsibility, I think, that adults have. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm now in a place where I can accept what was my reality and understand why it was my reality and forgive the shortcomings of it yeah. and the people who created that. And, you know, mercifully, I seem to have managed okay as a parent um, because I have two lovely boys who are grown-ups now who say nice things. Yeah, we parent as we were parented. We teach as we were taught. Um, yeah, and Hakuna Matata, life's a great big circle. And sometimes yeah. there, are, there, is a, there is a moment where you become very, very conscious of that and you think you have to break out of that circle. Yeah. You know, I mean, Philip Larkin said it back in the 60s, didn't he? They fuck you up, your mum and dad. They may not yeah. mean to, but they do. And everybody knows that bit of the poem. But the bit that's really impacting on me of recent months is, but they were fucked up too in their yeah. time by fools yeah. in old style hats and coats or whatever yeah. it is. I'm sorry, Philip, if I'm misquoting slightly. Yeah. And it is, it's a circle. And if you realise young enough that your parents are just people and they're flawed and they make mistakes and you can accept and forgive and then do it differently yourself then you know you create a virtuous circle rather than a vicious one yeah, um, yeah right. and i think that's a really important message for kids we are not ending here just taking a quick break to remind you that you are listening to power to speak the podcast with my guest lois cliff and there will be more wise words from lois after we hear from our friend fellow podcaster and teller of tantalizing tales from the storytelling with park podcast stefano capiccione the story I'll, I'll read for you the once with three little girls this is a dream that i think really shows how we view transformation dreams emotions empathy connection stories storytelling with puck Find your next tantalizing tale on your favorite podcast platform or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with puck podcast. Yeah, so going back, I'm just interested. We talk about this sort of circle of life. Mm -hmm. So, from what you went through as a child and how you were as a child in yourself. How has that journey brought you to where you are now, do you think? Okay, so I did um, a sort of business development programme with my friend Kate Brannigan um, called Ascentive last year. And that was with a bunch of my BNI colleagues, actually. Um, 
And that was really helpful to me. And it made me think very hard about my why. And I knew that my why was helping people. But, you know, in business, that's not specific enough. That's not detailed enough. And it doesn't focus on your ideal client. It just focuses on everybody because everybody likes to help people. You know, it's sort of hardwired into us that that's what we gain success from as human beings. You know, we need to affiliate. And in order to do that, you help people. And then somebody wants to help you back. It's the way of the world, isn't it? Um, so. Having dug a little bit more deeply, I, I did have the really cliched light bulb moment um, where I realised I was all about empowering people and specifically empowering kids. And, you know, not that I have anything against empowering adults. I like to do that too. But um, kids is where it's at for me because I was a disenfranchised, disempowered child who learned to survive in a world that didn't make any sense to me at all by empowering others and it's it's fascinating to see how my sister did it and how I've done it we've done it very different ways but we we had the same motivations really because we were dealing with the same realities which didn't work for us so we had to make it work yeah um, yeah she became her own cheerleader did she have to cheerleader and I am everybody else's brilliant cheerleader that's yeah. how that's how we roll yeah so how, how did that lead into you teaching do you think um teaching was a complete accident it was <laughs> it was <laughs> I spent nine months as a trainee chartered accountant which makes anybody who knows me laugh because I am numerophobic in the extreme and I know why now because I have a lot of issues from <laughs> listening to my parents rowing about money as a child um yeah, but I also have a degree in medieval literature. So how I convinced anybody in charge of accountancy that I would be a good fit with two failed maths GCSEs behind me as well. I have no idea, but there you go. The power of wordage in my world. Wow. You're right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Jackie, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> teaching. How did, how, did, how did you yeah, get into teaching? Yeah. Okay, so my dad left. Um, bickering and became a teacher and had a terrible time and it was the one thing I swore I would never do but when I got married to husband number one uh, there were teachers in his family who said oh Lois it'd be so good for when you have the children and there you go it's much easier to make to allow everybody else to make decisions for you isn't it so that's what yeah. I did yeah. um, and you know I never wanted to do it I always resented the fact that I was doing it um, and it's only very recently that I've allowed myself to understand that actually the best iteration of me is bouncing around learning spaces with kids. But yeah. I need to be able to do that on my terms now. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm trying to, to make happen at the moment. Yeah. So what was the connection then between uh, the, the child you, the teaching, the tigger and then the copywriting? I always knew that I was good with words and writing was a way that I thought I could earn a living. And, you know, everybody, well, lots of people dream of publishing a book. And, you know, I have a really good friend who's published multiple times. She writes awesome whodunits and she's a full time teacher of English. Yeah. So, yeah. wow. Um, yeah. Um so I, I, I just thought, well, I'll probably never be able to write a book. There we go. Self-talk, very important. Um, but I can definitely write copy for businesses. So it was a sort of a safe way of pursuing 
my dreams in a way. Yeah. Um, which I thought I could sell to my husband as a as a, a viable proposition. Yeah. yeah, it didn't work that way. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm sensing here is that you spent most of your life doing stuff that other people that you thought would be good for other people. Mm-hmm. And and would you say now that this this is this is you this is you being creative this is you being passionate and doing what you love to do? Yeah. So I've always been a form tutor and um, I've always worked very hard with the kids who've really struggled. And, you know, I've taught my fair share of bottom sets, terrible term. Um, And I've always got on really well with kids because I've never treated kids um, as though they were less because they were kids or as though we're in any way different you know what you see is what you get with me and I talk to my own kids in exactly the same way I ever talked to classrooms of kids and I realized relatively recently that all the stuff that I have learned on my journey of the last 18 months that stuff I got coincidentally randomly and blessedly and I have intellect and I have experience and maturity hence the wrinkles you know that has enabled me to put the pieces of my jigsaw together and come up with something vaguely coherent still a work in progress because we are and that's the wonderful thing isn't it every day is a school day Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah but I was thinking about kids post pandemic post lockdown getting back into schools and oh no exams but oh 25 assessments in a three-week period Hmm, how's that working out for you, Kitty Winks? You know, and I thought, who is going to help the kids put the pieces yeah. together? And and I just thought it, it, it was terribly cliched, but the light went on. I voiced a thing to somebody I'd never spoken to in my life on a Saturday morning who I'd stumbled across completely accidentally because I was look, looking for Joe Clark. You are the media Joe Clark on LinkedIn. And right. I stumbled across a different Joe Clark who's in the wellbeing space, who went as a student to the school that I have most loved teaching at, Stratford Grammar School, and we connected and we had a phone call. And she wanted me to be part of her wellbeing network, which, you know, everybody wants something. That's fine. But I ended up saying this thing to her that I didn't even know that I was thinking. So obviously my subconscious has been churning through everything and finally, it's out there. And finally, we have a date and it's going live on the 18th of October. But God, we have been through hell to get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as I said, it's still very much a work in progress. So Exciting. It sounds really exciting. Really, really yeah. exciting. So so the, what date was that in October? It's the 18th. It's um, the five o'clock slot for uh, all sorts of people, people who are ex-students who are on my LinkedIn profile on my net on my LinkedIn network it's uh students that I'm currently tutoring uh, it's their random friends who they've happened to invite it's supportive lovely adults who want to see me fly yeah. um you know it's it's a real mixed mixed bunch but yeah and that's on zoom that's on zoom yeah so it won't be quite as interactive as the real thing in the real actual space um because I don't want to be white noise at the front of an assembly hall yeah um it does need to be interactive so that the kids don't go to sleep obviously yeah yeah um, but we're tell, tell, tell me a little bit about what 
what the workshop is because there's a presentation that you do so what how, how do you start what what is it that you so, say okay so i am going right back to basics why are we here what are we for and i think it, it's it's only recently that i've worked out that i'm totally unique in the entire known universe mm. and thanks to john Aspirin for pointing that out you know science <laughs> nerd boy um, you know, I am the only collection of these particular atoms and molecules there has ever been or ever will be. And I think when you can begin to internalise that mammoth concept, then there is much less need for comparison of yourself to others. And I know when we're teenagers, our brains are being rehardwired, aren't they, from top to bottom? And, you know, hormones are going crazy and... The comparison game is, well, for me, it was a 24-7 thing, I think. Uh, I would not be 13 again if you paid me. It doesn't matter how many noughts that number has on the end of it. I would not go back to that. Um, so it, basic things like that. So we've got a bit of philosophy in the mix. And then we've got some nerdy, sciencey facts um, for, you know, those people who need that stuff and like that stuff. Um, but... Who do you listen to? How do you know how to listen to yourself? You know, my son, Toby, who's very, very woke. I, I sort of amuse myself by how very woke he is, but in the best possible way. I'm not meaning to sound patronising. Sorry, um, You know, he, he has been telling me for months and months and months and months, Mum, you need to do meditation. You need meditation. And who knew? He was quite correct. And, um, you know, for years I've been standing in corridors when kids have kicked off. And I'm just saying, okay, circle breathing, Lauren. Lewis, circle breathing. Okay, we start at the top. We go round to the bottom. Okay. And, you know, breathing techniques and, and meditation and mindfulness, all of these things that I now do and know about because of the, the life that I've lived and the fact that there's been, you know, five and a bit decades of it. And I've always striven to give to kids all the useful bits and bobs that would help them over and above semicolons and how to write a poem or yeah. a discursive essay you know but the more I know about this stuff the more I think you know if you don't know that you are worth listening to you'll never bother making the time in your busy schedule to do a bit of listening out for your inner voice and yeah. sometimes your inner voice tells you lies because it started chirping up at a very young age when everything was a little bit scary. And so how, how do you sift through the chatter? And, you know, Tobes has recently been diagnosed with ADHD and now medicates. He's got all the way through our education system without anybody picking that up. He's a medic who said, you know, was sitting with other medics who said, so Toby, when did you get your diagnosis? And he went, what? <laughs> what diagnosis? For what? <laughs> and... I check quite a lot of the boxes on the checklist. So that's a thing that I'm currently um, in, investigating. And that would help me quite a lot, actually. Yeah. Well, all of, all of these sort of diagnoses help, don't they? they? They kind of, they give you something to work with when, when yeah. you have that, that reason. So many, yeah. you know, all the way through school, and this is why, I mean, don't get me started on them taking out, you know, all, all of these sort of creative side of things and sort of you know doing that whole stem thing without the a in it is is mm -hmm. very annoying um mm -hmm. because 
kids don't need to just be talked at all the time. They do need, exactly as you're saying, they need to be listened to and they need to be trusted and they need, you know, they need those nuggets, exactly as you say, that to 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 realize and again it's something i've only really realized there's a bit of a, a bombshell to me that i am the only one of me you know um, and i have i've written articles that are you know i am my unique selling point we are all our own unique selling point because there's nobody yeah. else like us yeah. and so if, if i'd have learned that if i'd have known that when i was at school i mean who who knows yeah See, we didn't talk about this stuff back then, no. did we? And thank goodness we live in a world where we can talk about mental health. We can talk about emotions. It's okay for boys to cry now. Yeah. We don't have to always have a stiff upper lip. We can, God almighty, we can even talk about terrible, terrible tragedies that hit us like, you know, suicide. And, mm. you know, the devastation that that wreaks in people's lives you know and it's becoming a healthier place to be I think for kids but you know by the same token the internet is just a place that is becoming so much more dangerous and yeah. you know the old dark net and the statistics about grooming oh you know I'm so glad my kids were kids when they were kids yes um yeah yeah so I mean you know that just means that it is incumbent upon me and people like me and all adults, in fact, to make sure that kids' self-esteem is where it should be. Yeah. Because when you know who you are and you appreciate the value that you bring to the universe, then there ain't nobody going to talk some stupidity to you on your phone, on in your bedroom, on your own, late at night, and, yeah. and, and groom you because yeah. you're far far more worthwhile than anybody yeah. yeah doing that and that's you know that's that's so much more valuable as a lesson than any maths lesson i think absolutely you know? and yet our curriculum is so crammed thank you mr gove and curriculum hours are so desperately valuable because everybody's playing catch up you know and and the time for talking about this stuff is here and now and it's urgent and it's it's I think that there is there is going to be a tsunami of mental health issues. Yeah. And schools are not equipped to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So so this time next year, where do you see you know the the whole you best you where, where would you like it to be and and how do you think it will help this time next year? My my thing that I'm saying and there's probably some businessy term for that which is escaping me right now Jackie but my deal is if every kid sees me in a school hall for an hour and does one thing differently one takeaway it doesn't matter if that's if that's the return on the investment for that budget you know um for that head who's very strapped for cash right now and wondering how to make that equation work if 240 kids each do one thing that is different, that changes their life for the better, then we've got a starting point. We've got more emotional literacy. We've got kids who are marginally more healthy than they would have been otherwise. And yeah. that is a place to start because you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. 
But, you know, you saying that, I'm just thinking now there's quite a few schools in the country and there's quite a few kids. And you kind of think, well, how how yeah. is that how is that going to get across everyone? Yeah. Well, I think know, people are talking that? about this more. There are safe, safeguarding leads in schools. And, you know, there are a lot of people, I think, who are out there like me um, who are really conscious of this issue who are doing good things so you know regionality potentially you know i can do my thing on zoom so regionality isn't an issue it's um it's something we can circumvent but i think in in every area of this country there needs to be champions for this sort of stuff for kids whether you're calling it whole you best you and you're part of my team or whether you're part of a local authority team and it, it doesn't matter but you know i i want to grow this i want like-minded people out there doing this thing for kids so that more kids get the message yeah that's my plan yeah. ultimately so, so basically this time next year you need an army that's that's yeah, yeah that's the way <laughs> that's the way it's looking it's on the ground <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, that would be great um changing this, the subject slightly i sent you uh over some questions that I don't think got through to you because I didn't send them in time. But on that list of questions was fun things about you. Tell me something that's that's that I didn't know about you, Lois. Ah, uh, I suppose fun stuff in classrooms. I can do very silly sketches on on whiteboards, um, which I like to do, and that is definitely part of my brand. Okay. Um, so watch this space. There might be one or two of those coming to a social media platform near you. Um, what else? I love to play Bach. I don't think that's fun. It's very, very tricky for my head, but it's 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 a lovely thing. Um, play, for, play it physically or play it on a. Music? I play I play piano, um, and I'm sort of, I'm trying to learn the flute as well, um, but that's sort of getting squeezed out at the moment by the the workload. Um, so I need to take my own medicine there and remember work-life balance and play, play a bit more. Um, more fun stuff about me. I, in, in, again, in classrooms, I do silly voices. Um, and I think you could probably, John would probably attest to this. So reading the boy in the striped pajamas. Um, I became aware of giggles one day because we were teaching with our classrooms open and my two colleagues had a free and they were in the office with the door open over the road from my classroom and they were just having hysterics because I was being a left-hand cockler. This boy was bright pajamas and he's very clipped and he's very dispassionate and he's very Aryan and he's a young Nazi and he's very frightening to Bruno and the children were very, very frightened but my head of English came and said, Lois, stop it, we're frightened to death. brilliant that was a great accent do you know i i have this thing that teachers basically are just frustrated actors i i think trisha lewis would agree with you i I totally i think yeah i could have gone on if i'd had self-esteem back in the day i would have loved to have been an actor yeah absolutely yeah yeah definitely i mean (laughs) it is it is funny so but i think maybe being a vicar being a lawyer, being any of those sort of things where you have to stand up in front of an audience. I mean, we kind of get swayed, as you, uh, as we've sort of touched on before, is that we end up doing things that we think we should do. Um, and so people go into these professions thinking that's what they should do, but actually it's a way of, of expressing themselves. 
So what yeah. do you do? What do you do creatively to express yourself for your own well-being? Uh, I cook. I love to cook. Um, I love to um, make spaces look beautiful, um, whether they are interior spaces or my garden. My garden has been a garden in pots because I was renting last year. All my pots got shunted up the road in either a, a van or a wheelbarrow, which caused quite a lot of amusement locally, um, <laughs> particularly when the rose moved because it had a big um, sort of trellis thing attached to it. And obviously the trellis, I, I needed one of those wide loader sort of accompaniments with flashing lights and hazard warnings and something. Um, so yeah, my garden, herbs, cooking, baking, all of those things. I love, I love to... I'm so blessed because I'm five minutes walk from the Tatton Estate, which is a beautiful deer park, which is uh, looked after by the National Trust. And, um, you know, getting out there every day, I'm walking that later with um, somebody who I yeah. used to work with, yeah. um, with the dog. And that that is a, a lovely thing. It's a, it's a headspace, isn't it? I put literally put a post out yesterday of walking in the new forest where I am and it's just, well, I, I don't think I could survive without actually just having that, that space to... Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel bad that I'm not always listening to podcasts, but actually it helps me more if I am just me and my brain is allowed to do what it needs to do. Yeah. See, I walk and I I wonder how or why people put uh, music on or I I can understand why people, I love music, but when I'm walking and I'm in nature, I just love to listen to what's around me, but also what's going on in my own head. So and yeah. I think no, I think that's I think that is quite important. Yeah. No, music helps me run. I am I am the world's slowest runner, but I am becoming faster and becoming stronger. And I find that music really helps me. It makes me go faster and it makes me go longer. But what? you know, when I'm walking, I need to listen to nature. Yeah. And yeah, what, I'm the same what do you run to? What is your tune? <laughs> oh, it's really going. There's a very eclectic playlist. So there's a bit of Black Eyed Peas on there, but there's also um, Colonel Bogey. <laughs> and the, if you've ever seen the film Amistad. No. We, oh, my goodness. Wow, Jackie, that's a powerful film. So it's about a slave ship, the slave ship Amistad. Oh, that's the one that it's went down. A, it, it was like it, 600... I don't know. Did it go down? I can't remember. But anyway, it's it's a very young Ewan McGregor and yeah, it just some incredibly powerful actors. And um the the soundtrack to that, I will send you a link to the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. It's John Williams and it's the most and because story is so important to me, story was always my escape. I always had my nose in a book, hence being able to read before I went to school. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I have that story in my head when I'm running I just say Lois this is 5k just get the heck on with it they did that they survived that you can do this yeah you know I find that really motivating for me yes yeah Yeah, no that's interesting actually I've never really thought about the the motivation movement motivation of a story that actually yes you can motivate yourself with with those words yeah yeah and all of those kids that I've ever taught they have be, be become part of me and you know particularly the troubled ones there are a couple that I've got in my mind right now um and I wonder where they are and how they're doing and I'm sure Lauren will still be orange 
Um, but who knows about Lewis? Um, yeah. 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 But their stories empower me because they are still out there. They're called different things now. And they don't have the help that I've had. And that's yeah. when I'm terrified about what I'm doing and when I'm having a bad day and thinking, why am I even thinking that I would be good at this? Because everybody has bad days, I think. Yeah. Then I just say, but my why is bigger than that because yeah. their need is bigger than my fear. And yeah. you have to do this, Lois. And that's the message I'm giving myself today because yeah. today is not a, not a great day for me. Yeah. But, you know, that's the way it is, isn't it? And when adults are honest and they say, look, I'm not doing very well today, you know, because kids seem to have this idea that we've got it all fixed and sorted. And it's just like, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Yeah, it carries on, you know, you sort of, you leave school. And this is my thing about playing. I just think as adults, we kind of forget how to play. And whatever that means for you, you know, whether it's uh, running or walking in nature or just cooking, baking, anything just to, to do something that has no real meaning apart from just the enjoyment of doing it. You know, and we, yeah. we kind of think once we get to adulthood that we, we need to stop doing that. No. And we don't. We don't. We need to carry on. Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, you, you have made me think about that, actually. I think where I'm most playful is with words, actually. Because yeah. I was a proper little sobersides growing up. Because, you know, you know a little bit about my world. You know, it was pretty sober, serious making. Yeah. yeah. And words. Words are where I play. And yeah. that's what kids love. And that's why I'm doing this thing. Because if I'm getting the message over in a playful way, then there's more chance that some of it will sink in yeah. and hit home. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit more about uh, about B words. I don't know if you can do this. Okay. Yeah, my lovely logo. So that was designed by Shivy Bailey, who I used to teach. I taught her A-level English language. And she's now a very talented graphic designer. And I love that. And it yeah. makes me think of the Mr. Men, um, which I loved <laughs> growing up. Show us that B again, because I missed that. The I was bee. busy doing Okay, the B. It's got post-it stuck to it. There it is. Um, yeah. Okay, so this is just a greetings card. I don't know if you can see it with the shiny wrapping yeah. in it. But, you know, um, Manchester, otherwise known as Cottonopolis, um, you know, it was a centre of the Industrial Revolution. It produced so, so much textile um, stuff. And it was an incredibly wealthy city. Um, and it's actually the scene of pretty much our own Tiananmen Square because Peterloo, um, yeah. which celebrated an anniversary recently. And it was the time when ordinary people stood up and made their voices heard. So for all sorts of reasons, that B is important to me as a Northwesterner, as a Manc. Um, I know I don't sound like a Manc, but there we go. Both of my folks are from Stockport, so... Um, but also the hardworking thing. But also there's a, a beautiful poem by W.B. Yeats called The Isle of Innisfree, which is about the, the Be Loud Glade. And because I love nature and, you know, that that's really important to me. Um, so, yeah, bees, bees get wrapped up in all sorts of things. Um, you know, they're, they're vital to our well-being and our yeah. continued existence, our survival. They, they work incredibly hard to produce these tiny drops of honey. Um, and, 
yeah we take them for everything we can get and we don't look after them very well yeah um so yeah there's a lot in that bee image that's sort of important to me really no I love it and I love your logo I do I think that yeah she's a talented girl yeah yeah absolutely so so what are you hoping to get from the October testing yeah so October the 18th it, it goes live on on that day um to my lovely zoom audience and it's sort of an accountability thing for me it's making it happen because otherwise I will procrastinate until the end of degree and whether that's anything to do with ADD or uh whether that's just my fear or whatever it is but anyway that date is on the board behind me for a reason and when it's happened then I will be able to use it as marketing material and say look your kids need this yeah and here it is so you can see exactly what you're buying into and what it's about and how it's going to help Oh, fabulous. Good luck with that. Um, I've put your website address up there. Is that the best place that people can find out more about what, what it is that you do? Yeah, there's a video there um, all about um, Whole You, Best You. Um, it's it's still got a few bits and bobs to add, but essentially you can find me there or LinkedIn. You know, if you want to see who I am, read my LinkedIn feed. Yeah. Um, if you want to know what I stand for, that's that's the place to go and you know I'm on there every day so it's also a really easy way to get in touch with me brilliant oh well it's been lovely to talk to you Lois I've really really loved our conversation I mean you know what a journey that you've that that you've been on and what an empowering uh thing that you're looking to do I think it's amazing so thank you very much for talking to me about it today it's been lovely to see you Jackie and thanks very much for for inviting me yeah, no problem. And I will make sure all these links go into uh, all of the copy and uh, show notes that I put out there. So enjoy the rest of your day. And yeah, lots of love. Thank you for coming on yeah. the show. You too. See you again at your other media. Thank you to Lois for sharing the ups and downs of her journey with us. We can all learn from Lois's story, but also from our own. As Lois said, we are all absolutely unique. And what we've experienced in our lives can be used to help others. Another great takeaway from our conversation for me is to learn to love chit-chat. Not easy if you're an introvert, but essential if you want to network successfully. We all have transferable skills that we can take from one career to another, no matter how different they may be. And be aware of the things you do because you think you should because of what others expect you to do and and do things that you want to do, that you love to do. Remember, you have to empower yourself before you can empower others. What were the takeaways from the conversation for you? Connect with me on LinkedIn or contact me through the website powertospeak.co.uk and let me know. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. Bye for now.